Hey there, it's Eloisa, your host of The Truth, the podcast where we hear from some of the most extraordinary women who talk about business strategy, entrepreneurship, industry trends, and so much more. We're here to uncover what truly happens behind the scenes and on the journey to leadership because the door opened for these women and we're making sure that that door stays open. Today's guest is Christine Bowen, Chief Operating Officer of Running USA. And my goodness, you all are going to be thrilled to hear what she's got to say. In her role, Christine is responsible for actualizing new partnerships and overseeing activations. Her industry network scales internationally, and she is considered one of the top tier influencers to know in the North American endurance space. Christine is passionate about sports, the outdoors, and the environment, and she is on a mission to make sports and the outdoors accessible to all. Welcome, Christine. All right. Well, welcome, Christine. It is such a pleasure to have you on to The Drift, and I am so, so excited for everybody to hear your background, hear how you got into the industry of sport, and then also your insights too on where it's going. So I guess to kind of go ahead and kick us off here, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. Um it's it's a very interesting story and, and not the path that most normally take. I, I kind of fell into running and the love of running a little bit later in life when I had my kids. So um, in my early 30s, and um, it was really just sort of, I wanted to be an example of taking care of yourself as a parent and, you know, making that time and space for myself. Um, and so I started doing a lot of, you know, local road races and really just, kind of got intrigued by the business and the setup that goes into b- developing and putting on a race because you know a lot of times I think people think like oh it's just you know you know put out some water and some you know bananas and we're good to go <laughs> but there's so much more um and ironically one day at work my my job was a uh, working in technology for a web developer as a project manager and um someone in my office had said to me kind of in a snarky way like well all you do is talk about running like why don't you just go work there why don't you just def-? and i was like well oh okay well maybe i will <laughs> and so um i quit my job cold turkey which is so unlike something that i would ever do and i just started networking um totally out of my comfort zone because i didn't know anyone that worked in this business but i wanted to learn about it and I got very fortunate where I reached out to the director of the Boston Marathon, and he was so gracious to talk to me about what it's like to have a career in that that industry. And so I started volunteering a lot. Um, and then he told me about this conference called Running USA, um, which is actually, I just thought it was a conference at that time, but it's, it's so much more. Um, and it happened to be in La Costa in California. So I, you know, kind of saved up my pennies and went and my eyes were wide open of like, wow, there's so this is what a great job opportunity if you can find a space here because you are working in an environment and with watching people achieve their dreams and their goals. And every single person that crosses the finish line has a story. Um, And I was just very inspired by that. And then lo and behold, like three months after that conference, the job of planning the speakers for the conference became available. I had no experience in planning anything like that. But I think, 
my passion just kind of came through and through the recommendation of the people that I had met, um, I landed this job and that was 13 years ago. And now I'm the, uh, this chief operations officer for the organization and get to talk with, you know, race directors from all around the world and, you know, help plan best practices and how to make the sport great. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. And I think, you know, there's so many things I want to be able to talk about here. One is obvious, like there's this really inspiring concept between your movement, right? Your your progression into the role that you are today, spending 13 years on the organization, really seeing it build and build and build, in addition to also seeing how the industry has been able to change over the past 13 years. And as I think about it, not much has changed. But a lot has changed at the same time, right? When I think about tech, like when I think about running, you've got technology and wearables and data and experience. How we register for events is so much more different nowadays. And there's more products than ever before. There's more things inside my running shoe that I ever even thought of. Like I didn't know <laughs> there's all these different things in my running shoes. Um, and certainly the, the pandemic has challenged the industry. And we went cold turkey, right? We, we went from all these incredible experiences and events to absolutely number of events. So then people started creating virtual running and walking clubs. I was also in a lot of virtual running clubs and they were so much fun in the beginning of the pandemic. Right. Um, <laughs> so now finally going back into these really exceptional experiences that have embedded it, like technology and digitized fitness and so this whole entire concept. So that's a lot. <laughs> so I guess in your perspective, you know, how have you seen the running industry evolve over the past few years? Yeah. So, you know, talk about waking up one day and being like, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, um, I had been right before the shutdown of everything. I was at the Olympic trials, the marathon trials in Atlanta, Georgia, um, where we were deciding our Olympic team. And it, people were just starting to kind of whisper about this COVID thing. And um, but no one really kind of knew what it was. And then that was sort of at the end of um, end of February. And then all the big spring marathons were about to take place. And then they just started dropping one after another. And I felt like my job became part-time therapist, but I was also struggling myself and going, oh my gosh, like, are we going to survive this? Are, are, are my friends' businesses that, you know, going to survive going through all of this? Um, and then, you know, virtual obviously had its place. People were very quick to work with their technology providers to be able to come up with some sort of solution to keep those consumers and those participants engaged. Um, and it really challenged the industry creatively. Um, we didn't know how, how that was going to go. Could that, could that replace that in-person experience? Um, and I think people, the participants just wanted to be, have something to do in a lot of ways. And so, um, you know, got to, got to see a lot of our events just get really, really creative, building community online. Um, and then we also saw people, you know, kind of new people coming into the sport because it was a little less intimidating potentially than, you know, sh you know, putting on your shoes and coming up to a 10K or a half marathon finish line. You know, you could do this. You could do this with your your daughter or your your sister across the country and be part of the same event um, on the same day potentially or, you know, training together, but you didn't have to go anywhere to do it. Um, I think, you know, the survey that we just did that showed that this past year when races started coming back, that people were very happy to have races back in person, but we definitely have seen a drop off in uh, participation and we're trying to figure out what, what's causing that. And there's so many hypotheses because, you know, did people go find other things to do like Peloton and, you know, or just 
say like, hey, I don't, I can run on my own. I don't need to come to that to the event anymore. But I think we also we can't overlook the the social factor of people wanting to be together and come together in these events and that the the training groups and all of that sort of stuff that, you know, people were definitely missing that. Um, and so it's a slow rebuild, but, but we're getting there. That definitely makes sense. I, where I live down here in Southern California, uh, there's this amazing place called the Serena. It's just like right by the beach, like full on, like full on streets, be able to just walk right next to the water. And, um, I'm reflecting back over the past couple of years of living down here. And I noticed that originally, of course, everybody was social distancing at the time. So there was a little bit more just like one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Now, more than ever, I see these groups coming together and like they're talking and they're talking about what what's the latest and greatest in their lives. And there really is like this amazing community and social experience that is incredibly difficult to replicate virtually. So as you think about the future, what does that look like for you? What is top of mind for you to keep maybe running top of mind or to keep experiences alive? What does that look like for you? I think we have to continue to be innovative. Um, What I saw happen or have seen happen a little bit is, you know, events were so creative and just rolled up their sleeves to, you know, to go virtual. And I think there was probably a misguided assumption that once we could go back to in-person that everybody would come back in droves. And that hasn't been the case. And so I'd like to be able to see and encourage the industry to take some of that creativity and, you know, infuse it into their live in-person events. People are looking more for the post-event experience now. They're looking for a year-round engagement, not just those three, you know, days leading up to the race where you go and pick up your, you go to the expo and you pick up your bib and then you run and then you go home. Um, They want more than that. And I do think once people are, there's still hesitancy for people to travel. Um, I know I'm not one of them, but (laughs) um, there definitely is. And so I think we're going to see a little bit more of a rise in um, the runcations. And, you know, that's something that was huge 10 years ago that, you know, women running especially, that was a great weekend away for them to kind of go and be with their girlfriends and train for a half marathon and go out of state and do that. And I have a suspicion we're going to see a little bit more of that coming back. That's amazing. I I definitely agree with that because it comes back to like this experience. So you're touching on something that I'm really curious about. And it's almost like the changing, not necessarily the behaviors, but the intrinsic motivation of being part of a, a race and going into running events. How has that evolved? And what do you think or what, what are you seeing right now is kind of the top key trends or patterns and why people are coming back, why people continue participating in these events? That's a million dollar question. <laughs> I think um, it really is a million dollar question because we're not, you know, be- because we are not back at full force yet. We're the focus, I think, has a lot of been about, um, you know, we're the people that stepped away. How do we get them back? has been a big focus. But the people that have come back have come back for all those same reasons. And I would say the number one is the social factor of the entire thing. Um, a lot of people are struggling because they had COVID and they, you know, maybe don't feel at their fitness level that they once were. And I think sharing that experience with other people who have gone through that together is compelling. It's, you know, when you come together on these long weekend group runs, you know, you have hours to potentially to to talk and share your experiences of what we've all been through. That definitely makes sense. I'm always curious because when I think about the running experiences, especially the ones that I participate in, I'm actually almost like looking at it from an external partner or vendor perspective. So like if I were mm-hmm. thinking about 
becoming a sponsor, becoming a mm-hmm. partner to like really enhance the experience. What type of advice might you give for those that, that want to partner with a Run a USA event? Yeah, so it's changed. Partnerships and sponsorships, the landscape through COVID has dramatically shifted of what they are looking for in terms of partnering with a race. We definitely are seeing more um, a desire for for cause-driven relationships. And so events are being asked, what is your um, what is your stance on sustainability? We want to partner with events that are highly focused on sustainability. We want to f- partner with events that have a strong DEIA initiative. How are you being an inclusive event? So the tables have turned. And, you know, as far as where before you used to be able to really have, um, you know, sort of the here's what you get, you know, pay us this amount of dollars and this is what you're going to get in return. Now I think they're, they're asking more and challenging the events to um, have a little bit more of a, you know, and also even like an employee um, give back program. I say give back program. I mean, you know, they want their employees themselves to be well. And so that's another big shift is partners are saying, okay, we're, we're going to come to you, but we also want to engage our whole staff and our team. And how do we do that to, you know, really make an investment in health and wellness. And that's been a big shift as well. I love this because we're really thinking about like this, even like broader opportunity, whereas we're finally putting into practice the whole phrase of sport can be a vehicle for a change. Mm-hmm. And it's exciting to see that people are starting to get really, really not just familiar with it, but really trying to, to, to change and push for this. And a topic that I definitely want to be, be able to touch on is specifically being able to unlock equitable opportunities. If I take a look back at history, female running dates all the way back to ancient Greece, and I think it's around 776 BC, when women took part in the Hellenian or Hurrian games. And we fast forward over to around the 1920s, and the first Women's World Games were held in Paris, followed by a legendary figure, right, Violet Piercy, who became the first woman to run a marathon recognized by the IAAF in 1926. So it's incredible to see how much the industry has changed, how people's thought process, whether it's the vendors or partners that you just mentioned, are really thinking about how can we make a deeper impact in this investment. Originally, I believe it running, it really gained its appeal from some of the most talented athletes. Like I grew up hearing the names of Steve, Steve Prefontaine and, and Phil Knight and, and Bill Bowerman. Like they were like my mm-hmm. idols going into running. But part of the reasons why you and I are chatting today is because we want to talk about how running, where running has gone and then where it still needs to go to create more of those equitable opportunities. So to kick us off in that direction, what would you say are currently the biggest barriers for women right now in the running industry? Gosh, you know, as just a female in sport in general, it's always, you know, a little bit of a challenge. And I think I don't, I don't even want to talk about it as a barrier more than an opportunity that, you know, women supporting women is where it's at. And, you know, when you look at women's running right now in the United States, these women are crushing it. I mean, they are on fire like I've never seen. <laughs> and so, you know, you look at an athlete like um, Stephanie Bruce, who is, you know, going to be retiring this next year. And she is, you know, calling this her grit finale, her year of running. And she's going out and running every single race she possibly can. And she just won the 10K row championships this weekend. And it's like, it's, it's those kind of inspirations 
who they are breaking down those barriers and showing young girls that you can do this. You know, this isn't something that you, you can only be fast when you're 25. This is, she's an amazing woman who has, you know, two wonderful children and she's, she's out there and she is, she's crushing miles every day. And, and so it's really inspiring to see those sorts of things. And, you know, that's sort of on the, on the, the competitive side of thing. And then there's just, you know, then there's your recreational runner and, the recreational runners, are, I think, are still just going to be the the women who are out there, you know, wanting to stay fit, you know, myself included, wanting to get out there and saying, I don't want to, I don't want people to, you know, there's no reason to hang up your fitness when every year, you know, you turn another year older. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of power behind that. I completely agree. And it's, I almost think back to how running set it off in the first place. And I think I used to say that even from the most ancient days, humans were actually running to be able to hunt, right? That was, mm-hmm. it's in our nature. It's literally in our nature scientifically. So it's incredible to also see how women's health and the science and the research investment into re- to women's health is starting to come to light about truly the benefits of running, why it's, mm-hmm. it's very inclusive, right? It really is for everybody. So I'm curious in the organization for Running USA, how are you all thinking about not just addressing these barriers or these opportunities, as you say, right? How are you addressing these different types of opportunities? So because we are a B2B organization, we we know that sport in general, and it's changing and it's changing fast, has been male dominated. Um, and there's some, you know, as you know, and talk to people, there's some amazing women out there putting in that work. And part of my mission when I became full-time with Running USA a few years ago was understanding the importance of women supporting and being accessible to one another. And one of the ways we did that at our conference was to create a women's networking reception and and welcome everyone together. It was interesting because we did have a few uh, gentlemen who were saying, well, why, why do you get your own thing? (laughs) You know, why do you have your own reception? And I was so surprised. I was like, well, because we have different, you know, challenges than you do being a female in sport. And I said, this isn't about us, you know, separating ourselves. This is about us supporting one another and being mentors to one another. And I want, you know, this person to be able to call me at any time and feel like there's no sort of intimidation barrier around that. Um, We've since changed it to be women and allies because what I kept saying to the men, and I said, you're more than welcome to come to this women's networking reception. We are not doing anything weird or secretive over here. We're just building our network. And I think, you know, from one female professional to another, you can appreciate the importance of having a strong female network. And that's something that we're excited about. We, our demographic has changed at our annual conference to be about 50-50, where it was 60-40 when I started. And that says a lot. It says that women are feeling like there is a space for them and they are diving in. That's amazing. And I almost want to unpack that too, to see if there's any key differences between the business of women's sports, right? So how are you seeing perhaps this from a career opportunity standpoint in the sport for women, creating more leadership opportunities such as yourself, right? For women in sport. And then there's the other side, which is the participation or athletes, recreational athletes, and just general participation of women's sports. Like how are they, how are they different? So women as participants are rank more participants than men. So that's been a given for probably the past 15 years now at this point that 
Um, and we used to do a whole entire women's study of, you know, why they participate, where they participate, you know, what they're, you know, and they, they spend more in races <laughs> than men do typically. Um, so from the participation, you know, we're, we're pretty, pretty solid there that women, you know, are, are, there are more women participants um, on the, in, it's the sport itself, as far as a profession and putting on the road races, if you think about it, and this was something that was really sort of intimidating to me when I started getting my feet wet was it's a very physical sport or, or physical job sometimes. And not, you know, even, even I, as a leader, you know, part of the reason I can do my job well and provide education to the industry is because I'm not afraid to go out there and roll up my sleeves and do exactly what the men are doing when it comes to helping set up at a start line or break down a finish line. Um, and you have to, you have to be comfortable with that. And, and so I think that that now you're seeing more women sort of out in the field in operational type roles, which is really cool because it's not, it's not saying, Hey, like, Oh, I'm a, I'm a female. I'm a, I can't pick this up cause it's heavy. You know, that's, we're, we're pushing that aside. That doesn't, that doesn't hold water anymore. That's exactly right. And you really are thinking about more of, you know, if we're trying to push for equitable opportunities, we've got a representation matters and us being at the forefront, doing the, doing the grind, doing the dirty work, or not mm-hmm. dirty work sometimes. It's actually pretty clean <laughs> sometimes. sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it matters because that really shows that what we're, what we're capable of. So mm-hmm. when you think about if you had to challenge the broader category of sports to create more equitable opportunities for women and athletes and women in sports business, what would you, what would you recommend? Like, what would your advice be? How can we push the needle forward? You really have to put yourself out there and you have to, you know, I'll, I'll use the example of, you know, just salary transparency. And I think, you know, a lot of times we as women don't ask for what we deserve to be paid. And I think in organiza- organizations are now becoming more transparent with regard to income. And I think that's a huge step um, because that that's, talk about equitable right there. You know, that's, that's a huge challenge itself of like, oh, do I deserve this? We need to believe in ourselves that we are deserving and we are just as powerful as anybody else that could hold that role. I love this. This is exactly, exactly right. Well, future facing, any exciting things coming up that we can expect from yourself in running USA? Yeah, we are going on the road. <laughs> and I'm so excited. Um, you know, a lot of what we do is go to our member events around the country and, um, you know, kind of help out where we can, um, but also providing our education on a year round basis. And so I will be heading out and going to Denver and Savannah and Washington, D.C. Um, to do sort of a mini road show of small educational events, really to lead discussions in around partnership and marketing and um, community engagement, community building, um, and really trying to help our events get back into that, you know, mindset of building their businesses. And then we've got our big annual conference, which is going to be awesome. It's going to be in Denver. Um, and it's our second one back since the pandemic. So we're super excited about that. So I get the fun job, which, and I mean fun, I love it, of talking to tons of potential speakers that want to come in and help guide and craft what our program is going to be um, that gets people really excited. It's like a giant family reunion when we do that. So people are starting to build up the energy. And I, and I love it when I see people posting on Facebook going, you know, oh, are you going to this? I'm going to this or on Instagram, wherever they may be. Um, so we're excited about that. 
We're going to keep pushing forward with all of our initiatives um, around DEIA and then and sustainability. Those are two hot topics that remain at the forefront for us. We um, are really developing key education and working with partners um, around how to make races and events more inclusive to um, underserved communities and uh, you know just encouraging them to say like, hey, this is still important. Even though we went through this pandemic, we can't lose the progress that we were making before. It's just as important today as and even more so. Um, so that's been you know a passion of of mine. And it's been fun to continue on that journey and and share that with with the sport itself. I love it. Really thinking about two of the kind of the main things that we've already been chatting about today. It's one, the power that running has to be able to create this exceptional, exceptional community. And the other part, which is able to leverage running, leverage sport, bring it to the masses and, and creating those more equitable opportunities so that people are able to be part of that community as well. So that's super exciting. Say a lot of that, you know, really comes down to events, you know, understanding that they're, they're, they may make mistakes and make mistakes mm-hmm. and it's okay. As long as you're, you're trying to be inclusive and you're, you're addressing that in your marketing and your messaging, you know, people want to be there. People want to be able to participate, but if you, you know, avoid those communities, they're, they're not going to feel that well, that welcomeness. So that's a lot of what we do is really help provide the tools for people to do that and it's not as um, and to be curious about it as well, and and to not have it seem so daunting. Well, that's incredibly exciting. So, mm-hmm. final question for you: yeah. If you could give advice to a young woman that is designed to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? Walk across the room and introduce yourself. Don't be afraid. You have to. We all have butterflies. We all have that fear of what they're not going to know me. They want you know this person's so important. As you know, as strong females, we have to be those examples and be open and welcoming to those younger women coming to us as well and, you know, holding space for them. But I would say for a young female, walk across the room and introduce yourself and just say, I just always wanted to meet you. Reminds me exactly what I did. I sent you a message. (laughs) 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 Well, thank you, Christine, for your time. Looking to hear more what's happening in the health, wellness and sports industry? Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift. 